and welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast where three dungeon masters, who've been doing this for <laughs> way too long, talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorne, and I'm joined by... Tony. Well, it seems that I've been playing the game way too long, and it seems the game I played has made you strong. Because I'm trapped. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trapped. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by the boss. boss. How did you know it? I know You're that not... song. I know I'm trapped. Okay. I, I... Hey, that's why we're friends, dude. That is Leave my career out of this. That is a deep <laughs> cut, dude, from the swamps of Jersey. And <laughs> playing the role of the boss today is Dave Noonan, the rock and roll DM. There it is. They take my... They can take my uh, Jersey card away if I uh, don't put in some Bruce at some point. In That's right. Months. You're from Jersey originally, right? Originally. That's why we have yeah, the, uh, the Jersey absolutely. Devil game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The adventure you all can catch on the FreeWiseDMs.com website. You know, it's a two-parter adventures in weird New Jersey for a 5e modern campaign setting. Yes. One all, of these days, you guys got to come together and, and we got to get from the rest of the setting. Quote, unquote, true stories of weird New Jersey. Which is to say they're not true at all. I would run a game in, like, Clark, New Jersey, but we get lost in there and never find our way out. Clark. My old uh, guitar player, one of my old guitar players was actually from Clark. <laughs> you never saw him again, right? It's, it's weird, yeah. Well, that's the old, you know, the, uh, what was it, the Maze of Ith and Magic, the car that made a, a monster get lost in its way to fighting. We used to call it the map in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we love New Jersey, though. It's right across the river. A lot, a lot of good times <laughs> in New Jersey. But today, you know, we're talking about, yeah, that's that's a trap magic card, sort of, sort of. Uh, but today, we're talking about traps in Dungeons & Dragons. What do we want to accomplish with them? What makes a good trap? What makes a bad trap? Do your players enjoy them? And, you know, I think one thing that's interesting, I think we all probably did some listening around coming into this episode. I was watching a Matt Colville video about yes. traps. Yeah, yes. but, you probably saw the same video. And what, what I was surprised by, he made this point to start the video. He said traps are not really a part of 5e. They're not part of the combat system. They're in there, but it's a bolt on, and it really is foreign to the game. Yeah. So, and then he went on to make the point that it's kind of always been that way. Yeah. So from a certain point of view, mm. you could say that traps have always been an odd fit in D&D. Now, I would actually, I don't entirely agree with this. I do think they're an odd fit in 5th edition uh, because they, they really, they made dealing with traps part of the blanket skill system so there's nothing that says here's what you do with traps it's more like you, if you run into a trap you're using your existing skills of uh perception and sleight of hand to deal with the trap yeah it's um, two rolls and then you're done you know? well well i mean we've had tra we've had we've had traps in my game we've had traps in your game that were not two rolls and done <laughs> you have to notice and, first. <laughs> and then we had traps in Tony's game that were not two rolls and done. Although we had one trap that would have been one roll and us done had he not pulled it out. You know, had he not, because you know, we almost dropped the uh, what was it? The meteor, meteor storm. storm, right? Meteor yeah. storm on a party of fifth level characters, um, I believe. Uh, it was, yeah, something to that effect. You were low. Um, um, you know, when we talked about the episode where we talked about what does 5e do well and not do well, one of the things we really came down on it not doing well was exploration. And I think the trap aspect being a bolt-on is kind of a symptom of that. Because, you know, when you're looking around and exploring a place, traps are much more important. But if you're in a game that's mostly encounter-focused, traps, unless they're part of the encounter, aren't as important. And I would say in 5th edition and in 4th edition, traps effectively were encounters. 
You know, if you're doing a trap right, you might have a one-roll trap, but really, when I'm putting a trap in my game, it's effectively an encounter, is how I feel about them. So, I rambled. What do you guys think of traps? I mean, how do you, what do you think about them in general in the game? Are they good for your games, or, they, or do you feel like they just bog things down? I feel like it's another thing in your DM's tool chest. Mm. So, you don't want to do the, okay, so you do a, an encounter, you throw out some monsters, perhaps there's a puzzle, perhaps there's a riddle, there's a skill challenge, and then you throw out a trap. You're kind of breaking up the variety, but I agree. I would treat it like an encounter. Previously, rogues were really some form of dungeon support in that respect. Mm. I mean, in earlier editions, let's be honest, every freaking door was locked and every chest had a lock of the poison needle on it. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> if you were, playing first, or, if you were playing first or second edition and you were dungeon delving and you didn't have a rogue in your party... Lee, were taking your life into your own hands twice over. In fifth edition, there is no there, the word trap does not appear in the rogue section of the player's handbook. Like there's no specific thing about them that makes them better at dealing with traps anymore. Uh, actually, no, there is actually I'm sorry, there I'm incorrect. There is something that lets them disarm as a bonus, I think. But that's like one thing tucked on the side of one of the subclasses. It's not nearly as exclusive. Yeah. And, and the traps are in fourth edition. I would would say that they really had a very complex trap system where it was leveled based on the encounter and how you're doing it. If you're dispelling it, I'll get the magic traps later. But really, that was an intense mechanic they used. But then again, everything with fourth edition was an intense mechanic. <laughs> so, Dave, what do you think of traps? Uh, I love traps. I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Colville's video, though, because I I like I like a lot of the ways he he approaches certain things because um, he usually has an interesting take. And I kind of agreed with him on the fact that they're this for 5e specifically. I'm I'm understanding what you guys are talking with 4e now. I didn't play it, but I can understand that it was this whole mechanic. But yeah, it's this weird like holdover that gives us this classic D&D feel because we're in dungeons of ancient ruins and all these things are trapped because it's treasure and these crazy wizards put all these traps here that, you know, we're going to now spring because we're starting to dungeon delve. Uh, so it does have that real classic feel. So I, I like traps for that reason. In some ways, I agree where it, Thorn, like with you, I like them as encounters. I'll actually have it be part. I said that in that uh, weird New Jersey uh, one that you just referenced, I had a whole bridge scene with these, yeah. quote, pirate-type people, and they had this illusion that was was hiding a giant rolling sphere trap. <laughs> I mispronounced, I misset it before to the sphere of annihilation. It wasn't that, um, where Tony almost jumped out of his chair, but it was the rolling <laughs> sphere trap. Hilarious. So I like that because it was part of the encounter, but I also like them as just the the random weird trap that's in there because it's an old ruin or because they're trying to hide something or because they're trying to, uh, to be able to be alerted to something. One thing I will say, I always want them to make sense though, but we'll probably get into that later on here. But I want them to make sense in the world because sometimes I'm looking at some of these traps and I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, how does anybody live here? Like, they're just going to explode every time they come home with some fucking groceries. Isn't <laughs> well, I mean, that the truth? Yeah, right. belongs everywhere. Oh, and real quick, too, just as a side note, for the meteor storm uh, in uh, Storm Kings, I don't know if this is the same thing, but 
Years ago, I watched, uh, they were little half-hour episodes of uh, Force Grade Giant Hunters, and it was Matt Mercer taking a group of actors through, not the Critical Role people, but a group of other actors through, He originally it was Storm Kings, and he had kind of used it and, and molded it and blah, blah, blah. One character who was played by Chris Hardwick of uh, Talking Dead fame and all of that was this wizard character named Will Wheaton, and uh, he was in a, a temple where he read a rune and the, the ceiling and floor smashed together, causing massive damage. And he was instantly dead in the campaign. Seems fair. And I feel like that was the same area where that meteor storm trap was. I keep thinking back to it every time it gets uh, brought up. But yeah, Mercer killed his ass dead. And he kind of got a little like, oh, wait, how many hit points do you have? This is a great point because players can get angry when traps are too deadly. I mean, that's what we talked about one of my buddies who left one of our old games. And the thing that really, you know, the, the, the breaking point where he left, he had some issues before, but he ran through a trap that paralyzed him. They turned him to stone and he failed a saving throw. And he was turned oh, to stone yeah. and he was upset. And, and it, well, I mean, he was, he, he didn't really take it out on me, but he did not enjoy being turned to stone. So one of the tricky things about traps is that, you know, players don't always enjoy them, especially if it's just simply, I, I remember I played in a game with my, with a DM in college and the DM had the third person through the door had to make a high saving throw or die. And he said the trap was simply called third man fucked. Wow. Like, third man fucked, which, but that's not that different. And the trap I was using was you walk through the door and if you'd fail your save, you turn to stone. And Colville's thing, in, in, in the Colville video we talk about, he describes his quote favorite trap from a third edition book of challenges we where the trap select. is one character's, if one character steps, it's a T intersection, if one character steps into the intersection, a porculus closes behind them. So they're cut off from the rest of the party. Then they see a lever, they go run towards the lever, they run into a gelatinous cube. Then they run away from the gelatinous cube to the door at the other end of the hallway, and if they turn that knob, a pit trap opens beneath them, and they fall in a spike pit trap. And then the gelatinous cube comes and falls into the pit trap on top of them. And I'm like, listen, describe this, and I'm like, if I did that to my players, they would throw a fit. No, they, I mean, it's funny. People yeah, you'd have to have a lot of you'd have to have a lot of fail states uh, for that trap. It's because that would definitely ratchet up your tension, but that could easily turn into you're just a dick maneuver, right? <laughs> On the other hand, it is hilarious. Yeah, it's a terribly deadly trap. If Halister made it, that would make sense. Maybe, maybe. You know, if some insane lich or you just went from the Tomb of Annihilation or Tomb of Horror or something like that. Okay, like you're in a tomb that's got a name attached to it, like Annihilation or Death or something like that. Sure. Okay, I'd expect that. But Tomb of Horrors is a great example of that. When you first walked in the, the, the temple... I think there's a giant wall that smashes you. Like, spoilers, everybody. I mean, it was released in, like, 72. But uh, I think a wall just comes and does God knows how much damage a wall does, right? But I, I played it in 3rd edition. I played it in 4th edition. I did not play it in the original edition, regrettably. Uh, if we're talking about what a bad trap looks like, the players can't do, like, God of War traps. Especially out of context, too. And I mean, God of War traps. Like, if you've ever yeah. played any of these things, you're, like, walking into a room. You have to, like, walk across a balance beam while, like, bladed pendulums are coming <laughs> at you. And you have to jump over this. Or in God of War, another scene, like, you walk into a room and, like, ooh, there is a lever. And if you don't pull a lever and immediately jump back into the left, like, a, you know, a giant pillar will crush you flat. That's fine because you can just load. Yeah. 
Mm, you can't do that point. in D&D. Good point. I would yeah. avoid the instant kills. I mean, I would use those very sparingly. <laughs> well, well that's a good that's one good point though, because it like this the idea that it's this holdover that has kind of been brought up with the game, right? Um, from the early editions. Because if you go to the early edition, like the first edition, it took you like 30 seconds to make a character. Like, and then you started to go into into second and third and a fourth and fifth. And it's taken you, you know. 15, 20 minutes sometimes to make a character, and that's if you know what you're doing. Uh, so I think that's part of it, too. You know, if it takes you 30 seconds to make a guy, then it's like you're playing Contra, right? 30 seconds <laughs> to learn a lifetime the master. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so that kind of does bring, it, it brings up, what do you really want a trap to do? So clearly, traps can do bad things in your game. You can have a trap. It's like you're sometimes it's like you're dealing with the trap yourself, right? Because if you if if the trap causes problems for your players, if it causes a negative reaction, well, you as the DM have are the one who has most been punished by the trap. So you know when you're using <laughs> traps, what do you want to do? And I I got I was thinking to myself, okay, so like where do I use traps? And I do usually use traps, maybe not lately. But I, I do tend to use traps in my games. I tend to use them for a couple of reasons. And one of my big rules is this. You can't use traps if it doesn't make sense for the people who live there. Like, I feel like I played and even DM'd a lot of games when I was younger, where it's like, I just want the players to have a hard time here. We're going to throw some traps in. And if, and if it's like down the main corridor that people, like if you're in a temple and the main, the main hallway is trapped, like, how do they live here? Yeah, doesn't this trap interfere with day-to-day -day operations of the temple? That doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, you shouldn't mm. use traps in places where the where where the people who made them intended to walk, unless there's an obvious way they can walk around them and avoid them. So, like, for me, I think it's really important. Like Dave, like you were saying, the trap has to make sense. Like, it has to be something that the reason it's there, in the dangerousness of it, and how difficult it is to set or not difficult it is to set off are really important. Like, you know, even if there's like, even if it's something like there's a tripwire in the main temple of a temple that has like a hundred people living there, that tripwire, even if it's off to the side where people aren't normally going to go, is not going to have a deadly trap because someone could stumble in that any time and set it off and kill themselves. Like yeah. that's not the way people build things. Their cone of cold explodes into the room and you're like, oh, well, there's Bob. Fuck, Bob. I they mean, lost another alkaloid. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Like, is that, that's a fucked up hazing, right? Like, that's really <laughs> rough. Like, I think, I think you really. Hell Week has a whole new meeting. If you're, if you're looking to, to put a trap in somewhere, I think the first thing you have to start with was, okay, why are they putting this trap here? And would this be stupid to live next to you? Like, yeah. if you wouldn't be willing to have it in your, like, in, in, in your closet, don't put it in the in the jungle or don't put it in the temple or or, or, or the, the city these people are living in. Well, as a DM, one thing I don't want my players doing is checking for traps every five feet. Which is a fair point, because, I mean, you as a DM, you might, right? There's sometimes when, there's sometimes I'll run a game where I do want the players being careful, and a trap is a good way to make players be careful. However, if you don't in your game, now you got to think twice about them, because every trap you put in is going to make them slow down more, right? Yeah, and that can have good and bad effects. I think some tension is great. I think them being careful is great. Having them tapping the ground with a 24 foot long pole and moving at like quarter speed gets a little old. Yeah. I've said it before. There's a reason I think that the 10 foot pole is no longer in adventuring gear anymore <laughs> because nobody has it. Cause you're like, why do I need that? I don't need it anymore. But yeah, I would agree. You're like, Thorin, you say it all the time. You teach your players how to play your game. 
And traps are a great way to do that because they're a great way to make people go, you need to slow down and look at things because you're about to enter enemy territory. But if you have them all the time, then people are going to be every door. They're going to be checking for the next 10 minutes. And can I get advantage with this check so I can see if I can find the trap? And if it's in a place that people normally have to walk through or even people would ever want to walk through again. That one, well, that's that what always bothered me. That's what one that always kind of bugged me is that if like, why is this here? And then two, why is it built that way? Like I had one, um, I was actually funny enough. It was a, it was like a West marches style campaign that I was running a game for. And I ran, it was actually Matt Colville. He did a whole thing with build your dungeon and it's got four or five encounters in it. So I was like, I'm going to run it. I want to see how it runs. Why not? Right. Cause it's for like a very beginner DM, but I want to see what's happening. And it's a cool, it's a cool little dungeon he's got up. Uh, and one of the things he has one trap in there. Cause he's like, why not? Let's put a trap in here. Right. So it was a pressure plate thing because it was these goblins had taken over this temple or, or some sort of ruin, whatever you want to make it in your game. And they had built this trap, and it was a pressure plate that goblins or halflings wouldn't trigger. So they can run over it all day long, no big deal, right? But human adventurer, dragonborn, goliath, whatever, walks over, boom, big scythe blade comes. And I'm like, okay, how are they putting up a scythe blade in this temple? And where is it hidden? And are they doing masonry work? And, like, I really started to kind of think about it. And I said, no, I don't like that. But what could be is, like, either a pressure plate or a tripwire that is built to like pull down these old, uh, uh, like the old timbers to let the rocks drop. That makes yeah. sense for goblins because goblins aren't the smartest individual. They're not kobolds with some kind of weird inventiveness. Right. So I kind of approached it like that. Like it had to make sense in terms of not just why is it there, but how do, do they have the ability to even build something like that? Like this side, like, build the last crusades uh spinning wheels of death thing you know like I don't think man could, deals yeah like they just took this thing over i don't think they had time to do that kind of demo work and you know and really workshop it you know well, i think the, the the one place that does work is if they're in a place that is an ancient temple and the idea is that the people who it's built already, the temple yeah that they yeah. already had it which, which does get back to that last crusade kind of idea right sure. i mean there are some traps in the pyramids there are some things in yeah. the pyramids that seem like they were like false shafts invented for grave robbers to basically get themselves killed. Yeah. Um, at least there's legends of that. I wouldn't say, you know, you don't, don't, you know if, if that's not the case, you know, I, I'll take your word for it. You don't need and to also, if the shafts didn't work, you know, mummies, you know. So. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it's like traps are there for a reason. And the reason is not just to make it harder to go this way. Traps are either, you know, and I think you should think about this in your game too. So traps are generally used either one to secure a perimeter. So like if you're like camping yeah. at night and you set up a trip wire, well, that's to secure a perimeter. You're going to take that down in the morning. Then usually that's to, it might be to kill, but more often than not, it's, it's to let you know someone's there. Maybe a bit of both, you know, it's to arouse the people inside. There are traps that are for area denial which is like setting up minefields or setting up you know and that is kind of where you get into like what is a pressure plate trap that's really an area denial trap it's you don't go down here anymore this hallway is shut off you know why would you yeah. put something like that i mean in in a war setting you put something like that out there in order to funnel the the uh, the other troops into where you want them to go so you set up minefields and barbed wire and then you give them one spot to go and you cover that with machine guns then your guys can get out that way because your machine guns won't shoot them like there's a logic Hopefully. to it yeah, well, yeah, hopefully. 
<laughs> but but there's a logic to it, you know. It's like yeah. if you're putting a trap down. It's it's either to secure a perimeter, it is to deny an area, or to you know make it very dangerous to go down an area, or it's you know it can be for you know keeping the right people out. But then it needs to be keyed to, to an obvious thing in the beginning to disarm it. So like if it's to keep people out who don't have a key. Well, then there needs to be a, a lock in the beginning they can use their key on. Now, at high levels, you might have a corridor that's spelled where someone needs a certain kind of amulet to walk through it, otherwise they die. But that better be high level. Like, that kind of just omni-trap of just, hey, the players are here, so I'm going to hit you with a trap doesn't really work logically unless it's like, you know, divas maybe or like, you know, devils might be doing this kind of thing. Mm. Well, to segue into that, um, something that grinds my gears is we've all been in this dungeon where there's 40 doors, 38 of them are locked, and then when you clear 85, 90% of this dungeon, you find the key. How are all these assholes moving around? There's one freaking key. Bob, can you let me in the bathroom? All right, come on, give me a minute. <laughs> and you got to walk 40 doors away to let them through. Yeah, that's a good point. Horrible. <laughs> So, you know, I forgot to mention at the beginning of this episode, this actually comes to us. This this episode idea comes to us from one of the from a listener who commented on our What's Your Problem field on the threewisedms.com website. And that that uh, that comment simply said dungeon traps. How do you make realistic traps and encourage thoughtful problem solving rather than just sleight of hand checks to disarm? Isn't that really what we're getting at here? You know, the kinds of traps we're complaining about are the kinds of traps that are just kind of obstacles that you use to check to disarm, which isn't really what you want your trap to do. You want your trap to encourage some kind of problem solving from the players. You want it to be something that, that the players engage with, like, frankly, like it can encounter, like we were talking about earlier. You know, the kinds of things I tend to do in trap, one trap I used with the Woodstock Wanderer group was they were going into a goblin, to a goblin warren, and one goblin, you know, there was a, a the, the main entry hall and it had torches and they, they, the goblins they had fought like withdrew and went running back across down the hall and kind of down on either side of a T-section. And the party's starting to advance up it. And then the party realizes, well, there's sort of there's like swinging doors, like kind of there are weak wooden panel doors on the ground covered with dirt that are strong enough to hold up a goblin, but not strong enough to hold up a human. So very much like that pressure plate. Yeah. So yeah. the so what they had so what you what they found out was, okay, now they spotted this trap. They didn't just walk into it. I think one person stepped on it and like caught themselves before they fell down. It was a deal where it was like if you stepped on it and you're too heavy, it crashes, you get a dexterity saving throw to try to catch yourself at the top. If you fail your dex saving throw, you fall into the pit, which was like ten feet down, not a lot of damage, but the pit was full of snakes. So it would have been you would have been falling into it into a swarm of a swarm of poisonous snakes down there. That was the nature of the trap. But then once they discovered it, the trap was I think thirty feet long, and now the party had to figure out what do we do to get across this thirty feet that isn't really stable enough for us to walk on. And it took a while, but the party went through a lot of ideas, and what they wound up doing was finding a way to kind of tie together those doors so they would hold so they wouldn't give away so easily and they basically went across and fixed them and the party thought and came up with a solution and that to me is like that to me was a successful trap right it makes you slow down it makes you stop you realize something's there you have a little bit of excitement and then the party has to figure out okay so i'm not supposed to be here how do i find my way in even though the people who built this trap don't want me to get in there and that to me is what i want a trap to do almost every time mm. Yeah, no, I thought that that was that was actually a really uh, my character almost died. That was almost the time that I died. 
Yeah. Is it a game if someone doesn't almost die? Yeah, yeah, that was the first did one. Did you I remember because I wrote it in the note. I wrote it in my notes. I remember Beam almost died. Did yeah, you... I uh, I almost fell through, uh, and then Sir Morton had grabbed me uh, before I went down, and I would have been I would have been done for pretty much at that point because I think we had already taken some damage from the wargs outside and the goblins. And then we had gotten in and this whole thing happened. So I was, and we were like second or third level. So I got, I don't know, 20 hit points, maybe. Well, there, there was, I think there was, uh, there had been goblins with giant mammals fighting you as you came closer. Then there were some snakes that guarded the entryway. And then there was this goblin force that ran back across the bridge and, you know, you guys had to deal with it. Yeah, um, yeah. But to me, like, that's what I want the trap to do. And I think what makes it do that is the party can discover it, even if it's after it goes off. So it's not instantly deadly. The party can come up with a plan to get across it, but it's not simple. And the trap makes sense where it is. Like, you know, for the goblins, this was a perfectly fine trap to use. They, they were going to run across it. They had no problem. They weren't going to fall in. They had set it. So, you know, big fat humans would set it off, <laughs> which was worked. Forey did a really nice uh, trap with shriekers where mm. someone could identify it with appropriate observation checks, then use nature checks to determine what it is. Then it's like, all right, guys, this area is loaded with these creatures. What do you want to do? If we try to kill them, we'll definitely set them off and alert all the monsters in the surrounding area. So now everybody's trying to figure out how they can maneuver through this. Of course, some guys couldn't, you know, sneak to save their lives. So they're going to take the long way around. Is there something we do to help that character? And you kind of draw them all in to uh, the encounter like that. Some encounters where, you know, you need to make some different types of checks, like Arcana to figure out what's going on with it. Perhaps multiple people have to do things at once to help the uh, person disarm it. I, I don't think it should just be one person just doing two checks not consistently once in a while sure so you don't like the classic second edition first edition the the, the thief walks up and uses their disarm trap skill to get rid of the trap well okay we're talking older editions first of all the way they handled it previously was a nightmare you you could be a decent thief with a high dex and have like a 30 percent chance of disarming a trap and get stabbed in the hand with a poison needle who was the <laughs> the, the sadist with all these poison needles I mean, would you own a footlock with a poison needle? Absolutely not. You're like drunk, you're fiddling with you, like, oh, I stab myself with a poison needle, I'm so stupid, uh, I'm gonna die. <laughs> well, that's what I'm talking about, right? It's like, you know, we put we put poison needles on all these treasure chests. I mean, anything someone intends to get in and out of is not gonna have a poison needle. It might have like, a lot. Not lock. everybody has soup. They've got locks with poison needles? Like, are you serious? <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't make, I mean, and that's the sort of thing I think you want to avoid. You want to avoid traps that are just like, you know, well, there's obviously a trap here. I have to, you know, I, I, you don't want people checking every chest, every every inch for traps just because you put traps everywhere. Your traps should go places that make sense for there to be traps, and they should be a significant enough problem that the party has to spend a little time with it to get rid of it. That, that, that's what I think I'm looking for. I think trap actually has a nice wide net. One of my personal favorite traps was... The Mirror of Opposition, which you both have experienced. Uh, mm, okay, yeah, we, we, we've played that a few times. I don't believe the Mirror of Opposition exists in 5e, so for everybody who does not know what it is, is a mirror that whomever views it, it creates an evil doppelganger of that character in every respect. So in our recent Halloween game, 
The party found a curtain. They pulled back the curtain. And ah, now your Halloween clones are coming at the party. And that became an entire debacle. You had a 616 rumble happening in this underground cavern. And that's a cool one. We've talked about that. The mirror of opposition is neat. It's needed a little bit higher level. It's kind of a one-shot deal, right? You can't have it the party fighting shot. themselves all the time. What else do you like to do with Trap? Okay, we're, we're talking about the, my favorite 5e common one is without a doubt the Glyph of Warding. Poison needles are boring. Sometimes they don't make a whole lot of sense. These things can have triggers like you're walking or touching or opening something. They can be placed on surfaces like chests, floors, in books or in scrolls. They're hard to spot. You have to use investigation checks. And you can set it to whatever element you could think of. Acid, cold, fire, lightning. And it's at a 20-foot blast radius if you're using the explosive rune variety. However, if that's not enough for you, then you could actually store a third level or lower spell in there. Mm. As long as it's targeting an area or a single person, you, your imagination is, your, is really, you could toss whatever the heck you want in there, I believe. And you could even pump these guys up. So, so I mean, if you had a, yeah. Yeah, if you had a really psychotic, vindictive wizard, you could be dealing with the base version of this is, uh, I believe off the top of my head, 5d8. You could hypothetically have, what, 11d8 runes? Well, I remember Zhang this- stepped on one. Zhang, uh, in uh, one of the early games of Storm King's Thunder, we were going into the basement of a haunted bar, and Zhang stepped on one, and it lit him up. And that was definitely a, uh, a wake-up call for Zhang. Absolutely. Well, that's movement control. That's like, guys, yeah. stop all just running around. Like, stay grouped. <laughs> Which is really kind of one of the things that Zhang did a lot of, especially, he still does. He still does. He's, he's a very mobile character. He's, a, he's zipping around and stabbing things. All right, so that's some of Tony's favorite traps. We talked about some of my favorite traps. Dave, what are some of your favorite traps? Well, let's see. Let's go all the way back to the beginning with my Pathfinder campaign that I had ran. Which was actually an interesting uh, thing, because Pathfinder actually had a whole trap-finding skill set that was more part of the rogue class, and you would be able to level up with that. Other than that, I I can't remember. I'd have to go back to the books. I can't remember if other classes really could find them or if they were at a disadvantage or something like that. But So they had obviously tried to build a bit more of a mechanic into, into finding traps and all of that. But during the final battle, I had a whole thing where they were ascending this tower because there was this ritual happening at the top of the tower. And I had them going up this bone staircase. I had adapted this from, as I usually do, from a existing Pathfinder uh, adventure. But, and it's a bone stairway that would be attacking them. But then each level they hit into, it was an encounter that was kind of a trap, right? Like the encounter itself was the trap. And I hit them with this, at least three or four times, three or four levels. So by the last one, I had specifically put in nothing in the room. And they walked through that room at about like two millimeters a minute. Just <laughs> checking. They were There was so much tension in an empty room, which it didn't make necessarily a lot of sense, but, you know, it was fun. I had, I like joined my, my rolling spear trap, uh, mainly because I also gave that to them as the treasure from it, because mm-hmm. the, the actual trap itself was just a magical ball that they could set anywhere and create this rolling spear trap, you know? So it was, they took some hits for it, but, but they, they got something for it. It's interesting as we're talking about this, and I talk about the the verisimilitude of the game, because I'm thinking now to a lot of the traps that have been happening in the Strahd module. And some of them I'm thinking, and I'm going, 
huh, I wonder if I would have actually written them that way or not. And I wasn't even necessarily thinking about it, but like certain pit traps and stuff, like why in that corridor necessarily? I have to go back and see. I might have just run it along with it. I enjoyed the Wall of Stone trap in Argon Vault's Hulk just because it's it split the party and it created you know, a sense of, of trepidation for two of the pretty hefty tanks of the party, which which was nice because that was able to, uh, to you know, maybe it, check. We've talked things. about that one before, but just as a as a reminder. So yeah. this was a trap in what it was in Argonvalt's Holt, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is spoilers. Um, you are on one. You're on like the second level and you're heading towards the barracks room. And there are phantom warriors that are populating this mansion. Now, this haunted mansion of our household, along with the revenants. <clears throat> and you walk down the quarter and there's a point where you hit a, a, a T intersection. And if you step through that area, a magical wall of stone appears. And then from that point, these phantom warriors kind of just spill out into the corridor and attack you. For me, I actually kind of dug that one because that felt a little bit like a and stop. You know, if we need to, we can stop intruders from coming in, marshal our forces, and then the Wall of Stone will reset itself after a length of time. But when you're in combat, you know, a minute is eternity. So a 10-minute time period before it resets is, you know, you're, you're dead 10 times over by that point. Um, but I kind of dug that because there, there at least was some reason like you're what you, I'm just trying to go to bed as a knight and I got to have this goddamn wall of stone try to hit me, you know, and then, you know, Bob's <laughs> on the other side, like, Oh Christ, Steve, where do you go? You know, <laughs> that's not helpful. So. It was a fun one. And I think it was one cause it, it was a fun, it also worked out right. Cause you, could you imagine if like the wizard had been on the other side? Oh, maybe he can, oh. maybe he can teleport through. Maybe he's got like a bench truth. What I would have done, uh, and I could have done this during the battle, but it was just working out this way. You guys were kind of starting to do some really interesting stuff to to try to get through it and around it, right? While uh, while Hawk and and Sir Scar the Paladin are just are just fighting for their lives. Um, if other party members or just like one of you was stuck back there, I probably would have had the Phantom Warriors start to pass through uh, and attack you from the other side, like through the ethereal. And then start to like kind of go back and forth and and keep hitting you from different sides. But I just had a lot of fun beating up on Hawk for once. So yeah. <laughs> takes a while. Takes a while to drop. Really funky fan. I beat him for like ten rounds and he was still standing. It didn't. He was. <laughs> I, I'm at a real impasse with my character now because he found his spoilers. He found his magic uh, weapon, the uh, the blood spear, and now that I have it it makes me less inclined to wrestle all my opponents. Like we ran into the diva and I just visualized myself throwing him in like a variation of the camel clutch, but grabbing his wings. But I mean, like he's a magical opponent. I should be stabbing him with my spear. I mean, I just, <laughs> I noticed that. I noticed that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially because you're not cons like, as opposed to a monk would be, you're not considered magical with your strikes, you know? So. I mean, there's no yeah. reason that couldn't be something that the belt gives him though. That's possible. We'll see, right? I mean, that belt is starting to change and morph. It's well, some I mean, that... <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is something with, uh, you know, whenever you have a character like that who is, you know, a hand-to-hand -hand combatant, 
I do think you need to get with the DM and figure out, okay, so you're starting to roll stuff at us that I can't hurt with non-magical weapons. Can I get some magic hand wraps or something? You right. know, can, can we take this magic sword and just strap it to my knuckles or strap it to my palm so I could use it? Or can you, can I, if I use the magic spear in some grappling holds, which is 100% oh. possible, 100% part of martial arts, can I use can I use the spear as part of the grappling hold and then it works? You I know? think there is nothing saying that uh, a cleric can't cast magic weapon or holy weapon onto a person. I don't believe that is a... Uh, oh, a, I bet you it probably says weapon only, because I think that's one of the ones that doesn't work on your fist. Possibly. possibly. Well, then again, maybe not in Dave's game. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe the that's the Crawford the, the universe rules, but that's not the Noonan rules. But again, Hawk, you know, much like the rest of you guys, Hawk's story is not finished yet, you know? It's not finished yet. What you, what you need, I gotta say, so in the, because we ran into a similar problem in the Storm King's Thunder, where my character, Zhang, got, uh, he got the a, a, the Red Dragon Katana. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this is probably not a book magic item. Spoilers, it's not part of the module. <laughs> spoiler, I think it's all, every I am so far away from this module, the spoilers are, although the title is really a statement, some key characters, and that's about it. I've even changed the, the last guy, the villain's name oh my it was, god it was tricky for a second because it is an awesome item and it lets my you know battle master uh fighter throw up walls of fire which is going to be a beautiful thing because with his pushing attacks and things like that he oh, will use the wall of fire and we saw how wall of fire worked quite well in that yeah. one battle so yeah that's you want to talk about battlefield control welcome to it there's really nothing that a tactician wants more than the ability to put up a solid wall of fire wherever he wants in the battlefield. Oh, it could be a ring too. Awesome. Like that is like it's like it's it's like Christmas for Jang. But Jang has polearm master. Jang is specked out as a polearm bugbear reach fighter. So Tony, you know, very magnanimously allowed the katana to be this really long nodachi, which acts as a polearm for polearm master purposes, which is great because otherwise it was like, I've really specced him out for this. What do I do? Yeah, I considered that like when I was conceptualizing uh, the items of power that I was placing around the games. And ironically, that was a key thing in Dave's game too. And I'm like, oh, look, we're all looking for key items of power ourselves in Strad's game. Shit. No, <laughs> the truth. no to tell that? you the truth, it, that is much, yours is, uh, you built it into the characters more. This, um, I've been playing a little bit with it uh, in terms of the, you know, the, the relics that you have to collect in, in Barovia. Um, but some of the other stuff, I just kind of, like the blood spear is there, but I was like, well, this just kind of works because I got this barbarian in the party, and like, uh, you know, in the future when we're done the campaign, I, I'll 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 go through some of the stuff of how I kind of helped tie some of you guys into the existing stuff that was already in the in the adventure, you know, to try to you know hook you in again after the original hook. Of course, this is the adventure where uh, in this game, Phineas the war the warlock is like practically walking around naked. He would be as effective naked as he is with his armor and his one weapon, a dagger. <laughs> it's like, when you start seeing this stuff from the top level, you start understanding why they did certain things the way they did, right? Like, why are, was equipment less important? Well, no, Rod of the Pack Keeper is an awesome magic item for warlocks. Don't get me wrong. But it's like the only thing you need. Like, like for the, mm -hmm. like, like Phineas, my warlock, he like, he literally would go through a, a module naked. Like he could and he would. It's 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 in his character on a bet or something. He would do that because like nothing he has comes from his gear. 
Yeah, and you don't need to get in front of anybody. You can pop shit from 120 feet away all day. Part of that is simply that you have been nice about not attacking me from behind, because clearly if I was a DM, I'd be hitting Phineas so often. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, who's the squishy one? Oh, yeah, that one, the fop. Yeah, we're attacking him. The <laughs> fop. <laughs> uh, we, we, have, we have plenty of mass combat. Um, yeah. We just uh, – well, actually, last game you turned you turned into the, the Grip Ape and you started uh, – you jumped around the front line. That's um, true. Debating but, whether or not getting... I want to keep that. It's kind of played out. Everyone's done it, you know. I'm, I'm thinking we just leveled up one out. <laughs> yeah, we're the almighty level one. We're getting way sidetracked, though. Um, I did read it. I believe it was a Dragon or a Dungeon magazine. You have to forgive me. This was super long ago. I mean – I'm not even going to say how many years ago because, you know, that'll make us sound even more Asian than we actually are. But um, a lich set a trap for a party where he brought them into what they believed was his lair and he feigned his defeat and let them collect the treasure. But the treasure was all cursed. And the, the, the actual party in this story, it was, it was something that got written in. This actually hit uh, uh, the magazine. The whole party wiped from the treasure. Like there was an elixir <laughs> of madness in there that they thought was a potion of extra healing. There was a helm of opposite alignment. There was a cursed blood seeking sword. Oh, it was a mess. <laughs> oh, I've, I've wanted to play with some cursed stuff, but it does. It worries Very me a light little bit. Me. That, it, that it worries me a little bit. Yeah. Well, I throw out some cursed items. I will say, like, I threw out a, I threw out a, a magic rapier that was of the Berserker. So theoretically, the guy who got it could never leave combat. Not that they were doing that anyway. Um, but actually, the player who got it wasn't happy. On the but other hand, anytime you try to not use the rapier, I believe you have disadvantage. And, and it's something like you can't stop attacking with the rapier. Is yes, the way that works, so which is a light curse because I mean you're probably doing he was doing that anyway. Like I mean he wasn't, yeah he there was there was nothing he was going to do that wasn't attack with rapier, but he actually didn't like it. Uh, um, well, you know you can't like I want to use my boat. Nope, sorry. Yeah. Well, that's, that's somewhat. Right. I mean, talking about curse stuff, that's kind of like a big. I mean, aside from the 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 trap of the treasure stuff, like it is a trap in and of itself, right? Well, it is. I think the curses. I think cursed items absolutely count as a type of trap. Absolutely. It's not uh, it, it's, it's a not game, game, but I feel greed is the best trap of all. <laughs> Isn't it always? So you I mean like you run a scenario and it's kinda of, you funny you mentioned the rape here because I believe the berserker item only by book comes in forms of axes, ironically. Um, I might have put, it might have been something slightly different then, because I, I think but I think it was a berserker rapier. I, well, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's really an audacious audacious change. Yeah. See, like just to put that in in a sword opposed to an axe, but you know, if you really want to juice an encounter like that, what I recommend is you set the scene like your party descends into a small crypt and it's only illuminated by the torchlight and it's the sarcophagus with the image of the long dead warrior king upon the top. The the spellcaster casts fine traps and finds none. So the stronger party members remove the lid, and inside is a beautiful silver glowing sword, slightly larger than a longsword, um, with an engraved uh, blade of a dragon wrapping around its edges. And they're going to be fighting over that, and the winner gets, like, this magnificent cursed sword. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Five traps know- is some bad business. 
for the, the trap setter because that will cancel your glyph spell that will locate it. However, yeah. your your organic traps like those weak doors you were talking about, nope, can't help you. That's like the um uh in uh, Strahd, uh, Bonnie's character, little one, the gnome artificer. Uh, one of her infusions she took was uh wand of secrets. So she can now uh, see any, uh, I think, secret doors and any kind of magical traps or traps of any kind as she kind of puts it around. But thankfully, it's the impulse character. So she's randomly walking away from the party the other way because she almost caught if she had walked a little bit down that hallway, she would have caught where that wall of stone trap was. But she just uh, did she walked down the other side, right? She was walking around the balcony or whatever, and Hawk's just like, I'm going this way, and boom, walked right into it. Because well, I was like, that, wait, where are you exactly? You that know, party you does that. tend to walk away from each other, and, and I think that, I mean, what are the good, what, what are traps useful for? One of the things is getting the party to stick together, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that, that, also, that also came up in Storm King's Thunder when we had that earlier game where there was a wall where if someone touched the the crystals on the wall, they got teleported into this other dimension, oh, into God. a fight. Yeah. And half the party was off doing something else. They got in a fight with a roper, and the other half was over there, and they got stuck through the wall. And now the party split itself. And it was like, I'm sure you just felt like that was Christmas for the DM. That was pretty funny for me. I mean, you really were separated by the entire length of the map you were in, and you're engaged in a fight. And now you have a character starting a new encounter on a completely different map with no obvious way to get out. Yeah. That was some interesting stuff right there. That yeah. was good theater for the DM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was so. And we did it to ourselves, and that's one of the one of the points, right? Is that like, you know, uh, uh, Colville makes that point too. Uh, the you know, you get beat by big monsters and stuff, then you feel like the D, you, you're kind of mad at the monster or the DM. But with traps, you're like, oh well, shit. I should have looked for something. You know, you kind of made it yourself in a way. Right? Well, is it, I think that's really the hallmark of a good trap. We talked about we talked about some of the things that show you it's a bad trap. A good trap, I think, the party when they fall into it feels like it's their fault. They don't feel like it's the DM's fault. You know, they didn't look enough. They didn't pay enough attention. They should have thought to do this thing. You know, if the party, if the trap just feels like here's more damage the DM's rolling out at you, it's probably not doing what you want it to do. Mm. There was that one point in Dave's game was when that, that was the first with the murder house. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was some salt at the table there. I could sense oh, the I great salt. That. There's, <laughs> there's blades everywhere. Oh, when it tried to kill. Yeah, the 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 house turned into a giant trap that you had no uh, no control over. It just happened. Yeah. Yeah, it was like there's like nothing you can do other than get chewed to pieces by these traps on your way out. Good fucking well, that's luck. The, that's the problem. Sometimes as, as players, we get set in what we want to do versus seeing the actual thinking way out. Um, like like all the ways that we were like, oh, we can make it to the door, and it was just like blades everywhere. Okay, then maybe we shouldn't go that way. We found. Let me the- jump through the door. <laughs> yeah, or we could you know, see if we can find a secret passageway. Well, like in that was- particular situation, after that game, I went and I looked at it. We actually, there's actually an article on the site about this, about not yeah. having single point failures, because yeah. one of the things that happened there was the party did not understand that they had transgressed. Like we didn't realize that we didn't do what the cult wanted us to do, and that's why the house was trying to kill us. So like for us, it was just like, oh no, we won. Now the house is trying to kill you. What? Well, there's got to be something. These are illusions or something. So we tried one crazy idea. And there were other crazy ideas that could have been better. 
Like, I know I tried to run through some blades, and I was like, all right, it can't be so much I can't get out of the house, right? It wouldn't be, and it was. <laughs> I could have tried blasting my way through the wall. I mean, we all could, that, that was the other option. We could have kind of just turned and, because there was no safe passage. There's no way out of that house. It is set up to kill you. That, you could have tried so you had the spinning the blades. You also had the all of the fireplaces that you guys had seen walking through that were all lit were now exploding poisonous gas and smoke yeah. into the rooms as well. Yeah. You oh, call yeah, that no, a it's trap. Happily named the death house, no doubt. Huh. But, like, like, but like Tony, there is no like there is like if you hang out in that house and just try to look for a secret passage, there is none and you die. What we could have done was no, the walls were weak enough. We escaped through a secret passageway. We escaped through a secret passageway. No, we did It wasn't a secret passageway. All the walls were weak. We could have stopped in the first room we hit and blasted our way out there. That was the safe way out. Mm. But it was like a matter of, okay, which crazy thing works? I mean, is that any crazier than, you know, the walls are weak enough for us to blast through? Because it's Ravensloft. You could just, I mean, there were, we tried to blast the corridor when we first came in and we weren't able to break it. So like, it's like, I mean, so it's one of those things where you can't tell, there was no indication as the player, which one of these rules I could try to break to get out of this house was kind of what made it. I, I didn't love the way that was built. It's a book module, not Dave's fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's but, absolutely. And I definitely ran it a little bit differently um, than I, I think I actually pulled back a little bit on some of what the house was doing, because I felt like as I'm seeing it go down, I'm like, this is insanity. Like this is a little, like this is just a, you're literally a death house, like roll new characters kind of thing. Um, but you still, tough. I mean, it still uh, was a uh, level of, I think I didn't let the poison gas like do, you know, the, I think it was you know, just do constant damage the whole time. I'd have to go back to look. That was a while back, but no, I mean, it was definitely, it definitely had that sense of like, you know, trying to like the Indiana Jones, trying to escape kind of thing though right because like the shit's falling down around you uh kind of feel but yeah i can see how it, it definitely uh can like, be frustrating <laughs> but i would also argue like i mean the way that is built and this is something that people like i'm not the you know this is not a hot take to tell you the death house is a poorly built ending lots of people online will tell you that death house is bullshit like that is a well-known yeah, don't care for for starting yeah. a death house you know? and because here's the thing like you say it's like an indiana jones trap i will tell you it is not because okay. an Indiana Jones trap has a way out. There's an escape passage. He has to outrun the boulder. He has to get in the mine car and outrun the flood. There's always a way out for Indiana Jones. There's something he can do to get out of that trap. The death house as prevented. It's like, can I stop the blades? Nope. Can we stop the fireplaces? Nope. We can shoot the walls, which, but that's not like super obvious because the walls actually, the windows are, are blocked the shut. Windows, yeah, the windows become bricked up. Yeah. In fact, I'm not even sure if canonically you can shoot the walls. Did you make that up so we could have a way out? Uh, I have to go back and look. That's one of the things I'm wondering if I did or not. So I will hold that up as a very book version of what I consider a bad trap. The end of the death house. <laughs> You're dead. Just <laughs> sit here and take your debt. Oh, you didn't catch that you needed to make a blood sacrifice before you fought that giant baby monster? Too bad. You're dead. Why Why would I? my character uh, agree to making a blood sacrifice? I seems like way... Like, unless, like, I was sacrificing, like, Bobby the Brain Heaton or something. Like, I don't see why Hogan would do that. <laughs> Maybe we could have sacrificed The Mouth of the South. I, I, I would have I I put poor Patty on that sacrificial block if it got us out of there with no trouble. That feels, you talk about, like, yeah, it feels a little dark. Mm. He's a familiar. He's a spirit. I'll bring him back next, I'll bring him back tomorrow. You didn't even have Patty at that point, I don't think. I thought I did. Uh, I no, think, but I think at the end. second level. Still, you, I think you get them. As, don't you get the familiar at second level? I think that's when you get your invocations or your uh, your, your yeah, oh, I that, that's a uh, no pact of the pact of the third? Uh, chain is third, yeah. 
Oh, so you guys were still real fresh faced, real fresh faced. <laughs> so, so you could, so you say that's an unfair trap. All right, so let's go back. So let's look at the uh, a rough trap here. Let's talk about the Marvel game we just played it. Um, <laughs> oh so God, not, don't, don't do it. No, no, we have to cover this. So <laughs> the only key aspect out of this I really want to get into is we were on this alien planet. This is the scenario. We have our superheroes, and there's all this shit going on. All these aliens are fighting, and out of like the corner of the map these other aliens move what the more technical guys who are not my character determined is a bomb up to the ship now there's a lot of space in this map so there's a lot going on a lot of fighting a lot of craziness and you know this bomb eventually goes off we're like oh what does it do a couple of areas worth of blast it's gonna do x amount of damage does it blow up the ship what happens <laughs> no it was like little boy from world war ii Boom! Like our like my molecules and Thorne's molecules and Dave's mommy couldn't tell them apart. So if anybody is familiar with the Marvel system, the bomb I believe Chris said was a class one thousand blast, which is That's hilarious. <laughs> That's well past Hiroshima. That's so fucking past that. Yeah, that was like, I mean, we were on Ego, the living planet. And I believe by all rights, Ego should have been destroyed by that blast. Ego took a big hit. Yeah, he definitely took a big hit. But yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of fun in that game. But I'm like, wait. Let me, let me well, start so, calculating my health here. Uh, yeah, so that's, a, carry the so two. that's where you get into, uh, I'm I'm going to guess, I mean, I haven't asked Chris, but my guess is just knowing how Marvel kind of wrote, TSR wrote the Marvel uh, mods, um, I'm going to guess that that was kind of like, it was a, just a, it wasn't even a trap that you could stop. It was just the plot device to get you to the next point. You know, it was almost the cutscene, right? If we knew it was that deadly, I mean, like Thorne's character could have disarmed it probably, yeah, or we could have. I might have been able to move it to another dimension. Huh? Right. I mean, well, if we know that was like the hot potato, we could have done something. You know, I'll come out. I'll come out and defend uh, what we'll call the big bomb. I, I actually think as a teaching tool to teach us how, you know, how Chris wants us to play that game or how Marvel wanted us to play that game, I think that bomb was really effective. Because what we learned was if there's a bomb coming onto the screen and we ignore it and we don't go over there and try to stop it, the heroic thing, try to try to disarm the bomb, the bomb will blow up and we will die. And we Lesson will, it, learned. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean. Actually, there's two lessons that were learned there. I'll tell you, there was two lessons. Also, there are some battles in that system, regardless of your powers, even in the first mod, you're not winning. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's really such a stage well, I mean, there. There's tougher yeah, guys than yeah. us. I mean, because that was where, I, I mean, at that point, we had figured out something was wrong. We had figured out it was some kind of thing. Turns out Ego, the living planet, is actually making all of these manifestations. You're not really fighting what you think you're fighting. And my character, who is like the, he, he's the, he's the, uh, he's the super intelligent one in the, in the group. He stops fighting and starts arguing with the air. Like, come on. We, we like, like what's going on here? We know we, the gig is up. We, 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 we played your game. Now show us what's real. And I spent like two turns challenging reality when I could have spent those two turns disarming <laughs> the bomb. Challenging um, reality. Your play was much smarter than mine. <laughs> that could, I think that actually might be one of the powers in the face of a civil is challenge reality. That might, <laughs> we should well, look into that as a power. Well, the thing, when, when we're fighting ego, I assumed, well, first of all, I didn't realize we were fighting. I have to imagine it was a localized area, like we're facing an opponent. They're manipulating the ground. Yeah. These fists are coming. 
I didn't feel as we were facing the power of the entire planet straight up. That until, was... the, until the fists and stuff exploded from the ground. But I mean, this is where, again, this is the same, just to set the scene, this is the same scene where the Kree and Skrull are currently battling it out on this planet that we feel is something like we don't uh, we're all probably metagaming like oh this is definitely ego but we're not playing it through our characters right but no. we're like this is probably ego right i figured i figured it was hallucinations i figured okay. we were facing okay. some kind of mind magic which, someone which was in some way i think it was because <laughs> what's the big get here we're we're dealing with the cosmic cube Right. So that all, all bets are off at that point, because now we're dealing with, you know, some sort of infinity stone or something. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so. super I think we learned that. that. I think, you know, it really did teach us that if like a bomb or something like that, if a plot device shows up, we can't just count on winning the battle to disarm the plot device. We got to go actually deal with that problem. Yeah, that, that, I wasn't that, thinking that it was going to be like Tony said, though, I didn't expect it to be a bomb bomb like like that, like Hiroshima. No, right? like, that I was, was like a bomb bomb like, bomb. bomb. Bomb, right? So what did I do? I tried to like encapsulate in my dark yeah. force. Right? I cast the spell and all this kind of stuff to kind of you know create the dark force took, around the, the it. And it, it blew took... right through that. Like it doesn't matter. I unearthly. I like, I, I'm I'm rolling with this class 100 ability, and it just it just laughed yeah. at it. It just to blew be right. fair, I forgot that you did that because when my molecules went sideways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard to remember when you're. Uh, when you cease to exist in my, uh, in my you know, brain, you're like, the, fact, the fact that it took six scrolls to carry it into position probably should have tipped us off. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe. It wasn't. They were they were definitely rolling like an ICBM onto the screen, we, and we were like, "Oh, we can take care of that. Let's beat up this guy first. I, I mean, I have grenades. Yeah, we know grenades don't take six people we to carry. We probably should have put that seven. together. We probably should have put six and one together to get seven with eight us. You know, I mean. <laughs> Worst Avengers ever. Yeah, yeah. But I think we learned. I think we learned something. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully we'll, we'll be better based, next time. We're fresh-based heroes. We were, we were in by the Watcher into this cosmic stage and we're just like what's happening you know and all of a sudden we're on ego and we're fighting the cosmic and, cube and you know a good example of a of a situation with multiple fail states because we solved the encounter but didn't disarm the bomb so we got one kind of ending. Had we disarmed the bomb, we would have gotten a different ending. We would have gotten Maybe. more respect. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if it was, yeah. that's Probably. A, yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. We can dream. See. We can We're dream. heading. We're heading, though. So just as a, just to tie this up here, for so everyone knows, since this is the first campaign that the three wise DMs are all players in, uh, technically we, are currently heading to, <laughs> we are currently heading to Adelan to, I believe, uh, deal with the political intrigue of the Inhumans, right? Royalty right now? Yeah, or the yeah, Eternals? I think it's the Inhumans. Humans, I believe. I think it's the yeah. Inhumans. So I'm, I'm waiting for some Black Bolt coming up on us. Is that they almost had a show. And yeah, so they did. It was... Uh, so, okay. So, so yeah, that was, you know, part of our time in the Marvel Universe. We'll be going back there, I think, uh, next week, maybe? Soon. Soon. Thorn, if I could, could I... I want to drop the next part of the question here on you guys. Kind of bouncing off what we were just talking about with the class 1000 bomb that made Hiroshima look like a sneeze traps too deadly. I mean, we know kind of how Tony went with it in storm Kings, but when do you, when do you do that? Right. Or do you, I think they can be. And that's like I said, I've had some bad experiences with players when things get too deadly 
too difficult. I don't know if it's just the players I've worked with. You know, a lot of times it's players who are a little like one foot in, one foot out. But I have definitely seen if you do the whole death trap, like just the three third man's fucked kind of trap, players don't like that. Also, players don't like if it's just a save or suck. Save or suck is not fun. And there's probably too many of those in D&D between the spells you deal with and the traps you deal with. There's a lot of save or suck situations that take some of the agency out of it from all parties, you know? So I think, I mean, you can definitely have death traps. What I like to do with traps, my favorite traps, tend to be things that put parties in a bad position where they are then ambushed. So I've used pit traps in this way in a lot of places. So I talked about... You know, the the trap we talked about in the beginning was leading into a goblin lair. The goblins were marshalling on the other side, trying to wait to see what would happen to you guys. And once you got out of the trap and across, they were there in a couple ambush points. So they used, so, you know, the, the NPCs should be thinking and active, right? We've got them in our trap. They might come through it. What are we going to do? We're going to get ready. So we're in battle stations when they come through and we're going to listen out for them and hope the trap kills them. Great. I've done it with kobolds in second edition. For reference, second edition had some overbearing rules where a bunch of kobolds could tackle a higher level PC. Uh, Just by the sheer number, you could overcome basically their strength advantage and pull them down. But what I did was I used kobolds with darts and a pit trap. And, you know, the PCs fall into a pit trap where they're stuck down there with, or one of the PCs fell into the pit trap where there's like spikes. It's like a serious trap for their level. It's like 20 feet down and they take like an extra 3d6 spike damage. And then the kobolds come up with darts and they start lobbing darts at the player in there. Or maybe these darts are poison or maybe they just have like some kind of disease on them or something. And they start, so like you can put them in that sort of gelatinous cube situation in a way that's a little more interactive. And I like that. I like kind of if the players fall into a trap, it's not instant death, but now their fight just got a lot harder because now they're on the back foot against an enemy that's taking advantage of it. So I like that kind of thing. I also like traps that need to be, you know, not all traps need to be in combat. So obviously most traps aren't in combat. So when they're not in combat, I like to put the players in a situation where they need to figure out how do I cross this? You know, so it's not just, hey, you either you, you, you see it and you disarm it. Usually the trap is in a situation like with that pit trap where even if you disarm it, you still got to figure out how to cross it. Like it's not enough to disarm it. You have to figure out, you have to think. And I want that out of my traps. I want players actively thinking about how do I get across? So to me, the raw damage of the trap isn't as important as the fact that it makes the player stop and solve a problem. Yeah. And that's probably better than a trap that just flat out kills people, unless you really want your players looking for traps everywhere they go. Actually, I ran into a trap in Desert of Desolation, which is a classic old school module. It was a variation of the Mirror of Opposition, where inside one of the pyramids, you'd if you were to walk in the room, you have only really had the opportunity, uh, because of the magical doors, to walk one person at a time, and you'd walk, the first person walks in the room, and they'd find a mirror image of themselves. And so this happened... Like, the dwarf walked in, saw a mirror image of himself, fought himself, got his ass kicked. We, you know, and, like, basically the force of the room, like, tossed him out. So, like, the next person, like, the fighter went in, lost to himself, got his ass kicked. I'm like, all right, I'm the wizard. I'm the smart guy. I go in there, confront myself. I stunned myself. I knew what my own weaknesses were, beat my own ass. I'm like, yeah! (laughs) The freaking ranger walks in there, sees himself, offers himself a handshake. He shakes his own hand and walks through. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's Deep how you're supposed to solve that problem. Yeah. And I'm like, well, well, that was smooth. I was a little, <laughs> little too looking for a challenge. 
What about so? But with you, what do you think of debt traps? Do you think that's that's you know is that off the table or is there a point at which it comes on the table? I feel like with a lot of things with involving death, it has to be on the table. I just would use that sparingly. Mm. You know, I would never say I would certainly never guarantee like, hey, if you walk into this tomb, there could be a trap that could take you out. Now, you know my business on traps. There was one time I was walking in. I was in the game with you, and I think I covered this in a podcast. My level one guy opened up a freaking door and was shot by a ballista. Okay. That was pure evil. Just evil. I, I think he was like in the emergency room for like three game weeks afterwards that I think he dropped a negative nine hit points, which wasn't technically death with death doors rules in first and second position D&D. But I one digress. point away. Almost. Yeah. What about you, Dave? Is there a deadly too deadly for your traps? I yeah I don't uh, I I think by the time you would probably put something like that out I doubt it would be a death trap fully because the rest of the party would be able to somehow probably save a person you know but yeah no I'm 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 with you or I like uh, I like traps to uh, either slow the people down to make them think about how to get out of this or to ratchet up the tension. Um, because now what you were expecting to happen, like the wall of stone, uh, is now not because now you are a party of two and a party of four. And that's not, that's not helping the situation, you know? So those types of things. Yeah. Like, you know, I think the best way I can put it is I like traps. I want my traps to cause chaos, not so much death. Mm, chaos I like is that. More fun than death. I like that. Yeah. So actually, so back earlier, we were talking about kind of the different games we're playing and, um, we were talking about how equipment isn't as important to certain classes. And actually, I had somewhere I was going with that. I wanted to come back to it. So what I'm realizing as we look at things like this, and we talked about how 5th edition has moved the trap the trap busting abilities out of the thief and put it basically into the regular skills everyone has. So there's no longer, other than like one or two spells and like one thief ability that's like a later, like a, like a path ability, there's no longer an instant fix for a lot of traps, but they are built into your skill. So anyone can do it. You don't need a thief to solve your traps. And now, Dave, as you were talking about Pathfinder, you yeah. mentioned, and it kind of clicked with me, in Pathfinder, certain classes had a lot of abilities around busting traps. But it was one class. It was the, it was the rogue-type class. Yeah. And what I'm realizing as I think about this is that is the way old D&D used to do it. You know, old D&D really did have, if you, the way they set it up was, if you didn't have person class X, you had a problem in your dungeon you would not have a solution to. If you didn't have a fighter, you wouldn't have a meat shield. Although Paladin could swap out. If you didn't have a cleric, you wouldn't have healing. If you didn't have a wizard, you wouldn't have a bunch of utility and, and you wouldn't have your big bomb kind of damage spells. If you didn't have a thief, well, you were just going to have to walk through a lot of traps. You weren't going to be able to open doors and define and disarm traps. Move through to through fourth edition, then the fifth edition, and fifth edition has really said, look, we're not making you take anybody. You can heal with, you can have, uh, you know, you don't need a cleric to do your healing. You can do, get your healing out of your warlock. You can get your healing out of your ranger. You can get your healing out of a lot of different characters. Yeah. Your traps, you no longer need a rogue to deal with your traps. You can get your, you can get your trap fixing out of anybody just had it just need someone with good dexterity and really i mean we're seeing the storm king slender jang as a high dex fighter does most of our rogue stuff like if we need someone to sneak somewhere we need someone to listen to well, not so much listen we need someone to sneak somewhere we need something to disarm someone to disarm something jang has the skills to do that like so you totally replace the rogue in that situation it's not perfect 
but we're fine. You know, I don't feel like we're suffering for not having a rogue. So is that a better way to do it? Like, how do you, what do you think about that? Is it, are you happy that you have all your trap busting on any character or do you kind of miss the days of, no, 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 we have the one trap breaking character. And if you don't bring him, you're weak in something. Absolutely not. No, because that type, you're casting, you're saying, okay, we have four players. So one of you needs to be one of these four roles or a character that fits that, or you're basically setting yourself up for failure. I don't think yeah. anybody wants to repeat that all the time. And how often did you have a game where you're like, well, we need a, we need a healer. Well, we need a rogue, you know? And it's like, do I want to play a rogue? No, but they need a rogue. All right, I'll play a rogue. I mean, most yeah. of our first and second edition games were all freaking very warrior heavy. Yeah. I got to tell you, I've actually, as a player, I'm not generally interested in playing in the cleric or the rogue. So for me, this kind of hits home. They're not the classes I'm usually attracted to. That, that and yeah, like Tony was saying, it doesn't. Um, so now you don't have to have somebody who plays a cleric. You know, personally, I think clerics are awesome and they're very underrated, but not everybody wants to play a cleric. But, you know, back in the day, you were screwed then unless you had a lot of potions or something. Right. Um, but also it kind of harkens back to the sword and sorcery days because Conan was a barbarian. He was a fighter. He was a, a yeah. martial character, but he was the most thief dude out there, right? He was sneaking. He was, uh, you know, looking for traps and secret doors. They were all doing that. So, I mean, you could totally make it where the rogue, um, you know, if you have certain background or if you understand uh, you know, you, you've been in the, the, the thief world longer or whatever, maybe the DCs for disarming something are maybe a little lighter for, for that character so that they still have that sense of, mm. I, I have this special skill set, right? But that's not to say that, that's not to say that Conan can't learn that skill set though, you know, just because yeah. he punches camels and stuff and swings a big sword doesn't mean he doesn't know how to sneak around, you know? Here's here's a question. Do either of you guys understand how the tool proficiencies and the thieves tools work? Well, I mean, other than adding the proficiency bonus to it. Is that how you yeah, play with them? Well, yeah. Yeah. If you, you, have to have the, you have to have the proficiency for them and then you have to have them. And then if you do, you can add your proficiency bonus to those checks. You know, are there things are there things in your game that can't be dealt with without thieves tools? Like are there locks that can't be picked or traps that can't be disarmed without Oh, yeah, probably most. Uh I mean I haven't really run into it because I have I have a thief in the party, so I'm, yeah, no, I'm we, sure they have uh thieves tools with them. So, so this is I never actually maybe, checked. Maybe I need to check inventories. <laughs> maybe this is something more overlooking because I don't I don't believe Zhang has thieves tools. And I think that probably you know, he, does. You know who does in our party? Rome. That's true. Rome does. Have like, like, we we have it covered. We have it covered. Right? He just opens his finger. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a war fours with a with a basically a magic finger lockpick set, which is neat. It's actually really cool. Um. So yeah, you're right. We have that, but that is something we're maybe overlooking because the only class I think that comes with proficiency in the thieves tools is, I believe, the maybe. rope. Yeah. The maybe yeah. Ball, and maybe bard. Maybe. And you can pick it up elsewhere. Like, I think you can pick it up with some of your backgrounds, but like, who's no one's spending a feat just to get a proficiency in a tool? No, I wouldn't. You know, I mean, oh, that's, I which is the other and way that's about the only tool anybody really plays with, <laughs> to be honest. Well, no, we 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 use musical. We're gonna play dragon chess one day, yeah. Mm. We play chess once. I play dragon chess once. In the in the strong game too, I wouldn't even need to worry if Shannon's character had these tools, not because Bonnie's character could just create them. 
true. So you can yeah. make any tool set magically. So it's yeah, just like, dude, artificers are. I'm just waiting for my vorpal sword. That's all. <laughs> yeah, let, me know can make, let, 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 let me know when she can make her out of the pack keeper. I'd like to put in a special request I for one of her, man. She has infusions. I don't know. I, I asked her. I said, I pulled off this diva's wings. I want wings of flying like Icarus. What's it going to take? Uh, I don't think she's discussed that yet. She's got, a, she's got a, 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 she's going to have to start a deli uh, counter, you know, <laughs> to take a number. That, that is true. She, she is an artificer, but her parts tend to be, uh, you know, biomechanical more than straight mechanical. It's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's her, definitely her, a different flavor for She's an artist. HR Geiger. She's more the HR Geiger type of artifact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. we got to put that in front of her. See what she thinks of that. It's like, is this the kind of stuff you're making? Yeah, it's like these horror dolls. <laughs> She's very functional, but fucking horrific. So, all right, guys, you know, we've been going on for a little bit here. Why don't we, uh, you know, we, we covered what we like about traps. We covered a bit about how we go about creating traps, when we think what we think is kind of off limits, what we want them to do and not do, the effect we want them to have in the game. Let's get the final thoughts here. So, guys, what are your final thoughts on traps? Who wants to go first? I think we all agreed that we don't like or would use sparingly instant kill traps. Mm. Um, they should add some variety to your encounters. And you could tie in different skills and bring multiple players into that scenario, just like you would with a riddle, just like what you would um, with a, a role-play encounter where you just don't want one person handling all the interactions all the time. You kind of want to involve everybody traps traps can be very neat but at the same time you don't want to overuse them we need to keep the continuity you know maybe the goblins don't have thousands of working gears where giant scythe blades can come out of walls and their master masons <laughs> to cover these things up traps it, should fit the people and the locations you're in <laughs> right and final thought on this is nobody wants your guys searching every square inch of every dungeon looking for traps or you're going to have a you're going to be a long night and not in a good way what about you dave yeah absolutely um yeah that's the that's the big thing for me i want them to make sense i want them to make sense where they are why they are who built them what's the purpose you know you're not walking through your living room and and a goddamn fireball explodes out because i i i turn the, the wrong way and burn myself down you know i'm thinking it just occurred to me like think of traps like more like home alone right like he's using the things he has for a very specific purpose because he has people infiltrating the house right so mm -hmm. traps should be in that way or ancient ruins they were put there originally for that same purpose too so they're they're protecting something um, and uh, use them to teach your players to slow down, to to be cautious in certain areas, uh, to be aware of their surroundings, and use them like Thorne says, like an encounter, right? Like to to increase, to ratchet up the tension or the problem solving with within the game. You know, for me, at the risk of sounding like I'm just echoing, we're all kind of echoing each other here. Traps need to grow organically out of the place you're putting the adventure in. You know, so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about various, we're talking about continuity. We're talking about, you know, keeping, you know, immersion in the game world. Your goblins should have goblin-y traps. Or maybe they're hanging out in a temple that has ancient temple traps. Either way, it makes sense for where they are and how the local, how the people, how the things that live there 
use them and survive. Now we didn't talk a ton about how to we how to create traps. So I will say, you know, I start from that point of view. Like so I think about okay, so this is the this is the dungeon they're in, this is the area they're in, this is the layer they're in. Where would this per where would this thing have a trap and why would it have it there? Things aren't gonna trap the the entrance they use to get in. Yeah, the dragon's not going to put a trap around the hole it flies into to get into its lair. That's not the way that's going to work. So think about where's the trap going to be? How's the trap serve the purposes of the people and or the things living there? And then how? what kind of trap is it? And how does it affect the players? I don't like traps that are, you know, just simply save. I don't like traps that are just make a couple rolls to make them go away. I think a trap should spark some kind of problem solving from the players. And yeah, it usually plays out like a, like an encounter because of that. Cause the players need to spend some time thinking about what do they do with this? How do they get around it? And, you know, most importantly, I like my traps to cause chaos more than death. So things that split the party, things that set the party back, things that change the game, things that set the party up for a, for an encounter that's in a disadvantageous position. Those are the kind of traps I tend to like more than just, eh, needle from the chest when i think of traps i'm thinking indiana jones i'm not thinking okay here's a little lock and i either pick it or i don't and if i fail to pick it i get stabbed by something i'm thinking arrows shooting across the path i'm thinking rolling boulders you got to run away from i'm thinking complex step puzzles you got to walk over the leap of faith bridge you know these are the things i think of when i think of dungeon traps and it's not just oh yeah every every chest has a poison capsule it should be more interesting than that. It should be more fun than that, getting into it and getting around it. So that's it for me. Guys, I had a great time. This was no trap, or if it was, we disarmed it. I had a good time. <laughs> it reminds me of the Dragon Lair video game where you the knight sneaks oh. into the dragon's lair and there's dishes stacked everywhere. <laughs> he steps in, he's almost <laughs> knocking the dishes over to wake the sleeping dragon. <laughs> Got to push that stick in the right direction or you die. That's what oh, I remember of that game. Thanks a lot, guys. And thank you all for listening at home. Uh, we really appreciate all the support. You can catch Three Wise DMs at our website, threewisedms.com, on Facebook and on Twitter. You can also catch us anywhere podcasts are served. And if you're listening to us there, please, if you like what you're hearing, give us a five-star review. It really helps us get the word out. If you have anything you'd like to hear us talk about, and like we said, this episode was inspired by a listener's comment, please drop us a line at threewisedms at gmail.com or fill out the What's Your Problem field on our website or talk to us on Facebook. Facebook and Twitter. We're always responding there and we are absolutely looking for ideas for new episodes. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Three Wise DMs. <laughs>